0: Oh, God, why? Oh, Lord, no. Oh, Andrew. Andrew, I'm all broke. I'm all tore up inside. Bama, for the first time since the playoff has been incited, uh, we're not going to make the playoffs. Oh, God. Oh. oh, life is pain. Uh, Anyway, how are things for you?
1: They're not too bad. The worst part is Bama might not even make a New Year's Six Bowl.
0: Don't even say that. Don't. You would have
1: to go to like the Outback Bowl or something.
0: <laughs> don't, don't, don't you put that evil on me? Who are they? Go- they're gonna put Georgia in above Alabama. Is that what you're proposing?
1: I mean, they could, depending on how how the Alabama or the Georgia LSU game goes.
0: I'm actually more curious to see who makes the New Year Six out of the. Uh, The group of five because I would like to see App State make it but I think a lot rides on the Memphis Cincinnati game Uh, it's probably gonna be one of those two
1: yeah I think I think the winner of that game will probably be the team from the G5 there's just not enough you know an App State win over Louisiana and a Boise State win over Hawaii I just don't think we'll do enough to to get that what would be really kind of cool if they really just wanted to screw with everything and create a narrative would be to magically bump Navy up after they beat Army.
0: <laughs> Ooh. I don't think. Na- I mean,
1: cause Navy's only got two losses. Their losses are to Notre Dame and uh, Memphis. So
0: I just don't think they can get that big of a bump. Like, are they even ranked right now? They're... Maybe
1: they're 24th.
0: Oh yeah, you're right. But I-, I just don't see them getting that big of a bump unless Memphis loses and Navy just blows out Army. That would be... Yeah,
1: uh, I, uh, Navy's best bet would have been to make it to the the American Championship game, which they needed a Memphis loss to Cincinnati last week. And it, it was, didn't happen. So we get to watch Memphis, Cincinnati, and Memphis again.
0: It was surprisingly close, but uh, yeah. I I don't expect that much to change. Memphis has been on a roll, but I, I, we'll see. I want to go back to the Alabama-Auburn game, so... I obviously – well, you talk about the Georgia Tech-Georgia game if you want to. I'm fine without it, but uh, obviously spend my time – Really this, not
1: much to talk about.
0: Uh, yeah. We scored a touchdown.
1: That was pretty cool. We actually – it was like 17-7 to 7, uh, at the half, which was kind of cool. And then we just kind of realized, oh, wait a minute, guys. We suck.
0: Yeah. Well, the game's in Atlanta. We're not allowed to win there. Um, anyway – I had to spend the holidays with my family. All of them are Alabama fans. So I got the full brunt of the uh, Alabama excuses, as it were. Um, The whole – they went through the five stages of grief, you know, denial. Oh, you know. We didn't – it was because we we lost it. It wasn't that Auburn beat us. You know, all the other stages. But I guess the point being – What do you think cost Bama the game that time? Was it the backup quarterback? Was it bad coaching decisions? Or was it simply that missed field goal at the end of the game? Which, by the way, I feel bad for the kicker sent out an apology tweet just for missing the field goal. There's a lot to take in with that game. What were your thoughts on the map?
1: To be fair, I don't really like Belovus, mainly because he was committed to Georgia Tech and flipped to Alabama late so
0: uh well he hasn't been that yeah. good so yeah <laughs> that's
1: that's the funny part is he hasn't really been that great at Alabama um, I don't think you know I, I think it was just one of those games where Auburn you know and you hate to John Madden it but you know Matt Jones threw two interceptions that aren't gonna help you you know uh, but Alabama only lost the turnover battle by one Um you know, they ran the ball 4.7 yards per carry. I mean, I think they you know they couldn't shut Auburn down. Auburn had 5.3 yards per carry, but uh, you know Alabama outgained them. Uh, Alabama was better, slightly better or the same on third down. You know, it's just you know sometimes you get in a shootout and the other team scores more points than you do. <laughs> you know, and you hate to. Yeah, it's a very John Madden answer, but you sure. know it's just one of those games
0: so i'll give it a little more analysis first off i'm not going to blame the quarterback because it's not the quarterback's fault that the the uh what auburn scored like 45 points or some such nonsense it's not it's not the quarterback's fault that alabama's defense a team that is known for their defense couldn't stop auburn uh that's that's not on him he did a fine job yeah he he gave up a few key interceptions and that's rough but what are you going to do? That, you, As a college quarterback who's starting for his first real game, I would say. That- Dude,
1: to be fair, they were both pick sixes. <laughs> not, not that it's his fault that they were pick sixes. I mean, they're, you know, interceptions are usually somewhat the quarterback's fault, some of the receiver's fault, some of the defense's fault. But they were both pick sixes. I mean, that, that kind of – and Alabama's a team that's usually so good on defense that – turnovers don't matter as much. I mean, we saw in the Tech-Georgia game, Georgia turned the ball over a couple of times, but were good enough on defense that Tech wasn't able to turn it into points. Whereas here, both Alabama touchdowns are 14 Auburn points. So I mean, you could almost point to the turnovers and saying, yeah, they were the worst turnovers you could have. They weren't just run-of-the-mill, thrown interception, especially the one in the end zone going into score that would have put Alabama up, um... 38
0: to 30. Yeah, that was also kind of like a strange interception. I feel like that pinballed around a little bit. But, yeah, uh, I also just – I don't blame the kicker. I know you're going to hate on the kicker because of circumstances. But, I I mean, kickers are head cases. And I feel like Saban has – Saban does something to kickers. Like, kickers being around Saban, whatever he says to them – I don't know, they miss more on his team than on any other team. In fact, I think they put that up on a stat during the game that, like, Saban's kickers since he started at Alabama have missed, like, 13 more kicks than any other team in the same duration of time, which is kind of crazy.
1: Kickers, to me, yeah, they're all head cases. It's also a really hard position to project because in high school they kick off of tees, Like, all field goals are off of, you know, little rubber plastic block tees, like, even when there's a holder, and so there's a bit of an adjustment from that to kicking off the ground, but the other side of it, too, is a lot of field goal kicking is repetition. It's it's having your steps, it's knowing where to plan, it's knowing, you know, where to, you know, your run-up and all of that, so you figure a guy like Saban, who's incredibly particular about the details and about repetition, would help with that, but... I don't know, man. It's, it is just kind of crazy that they've they've missed so many. And they've missed some big ones. It's, that's the other part is you look at how good Alabama has been, and even then they've had some where they've missed a bunch.
0: Yeah, and I guess the final thing, the thing that just drove me crazy, uh, I, honestly, I was taking care of my grandmother for part of it, so I missed a lot of the game. I can't speak to all the coaching decisions. But there were two penalties for 12 men on the field. With how much you're getting paid, with Saban getting paid like that, those are mistakes you cannot afford to happen. This this game had, like, the most penalties in a Saban-era coaching game. I think it was 13, which is just crazy. And a lot of those are false starts because you're on the road. That happens. But 12 men on the field, like, when you've got the best punt returner in the nation, you're about to field a punt, and then you give up a first down to end the game because you had 12 men on the field. That's an error that you cannot afford to happen. I I don't know.
1: I, I have a feeling someone got fired over that because the thing you know, there's always a guy up in the box or a guy on the field whose job it is to count when you go to special teams. You know, make sure you got 11. You know, let the guy you know let the coaches know if you don't do things you need to do. You actually see it too with punters. A lot of times, punters in the field, punters and field goal kickers are your guys that do the counts. But, yeah, I have a feeling that some GA or analyst probably got fired because he didn't get the counts down. So, you know, it kind of sucks for that guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel bad, but at the end of the day, that is that costs you the rivalry game right there. I mean, you – Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, after in-depth analysis of the Alabama-Auburn game, are there any other highlights you want to go over from rivalry week? We had a bunch of fights break out. I mean, across the board. I know. Uh, Jordan- I
1: actually, I missed a lot of games. To be honest with you, man, I I spent a lot of time. My wife and I spent the weekend in Chattanooga, and we walked around a lot on Saturday. So most of like the middle of the day, early afternoon games, I didn't even watch. I didn't even watch all the Alabama Auburn games. So
0: well, you I mean, dodged a
1: ton that I just.
0: You were probably trying to dodge the Georgia Georgia Tech game, but did you catch the uh, fight between our receiver Trey and our receiver? And the Georgia receiver? Yeah, run?
1: yeah. It just looked kind of like a dumb. I mean, my thing is, uh, you're up three or four touchdowns. Like, why you fight either side? Like, you're dominating, or you're getting your butt kicked. Like, what? It's it's like you know when you score a touchdown, down like three scores, you do a little dance. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> you know, look, know where you are, know how the game's going, and come
0: on. Yeah. I mean, if we want other games, Uh, Michigan, it looked like they had. Ohio State, like, score for score early, but then uh, costly turnovers, among other things. Ohio State just kind of ended up running away with the whole situation. Uh, Trying to think. I mean, Utah, Colorado was one-sided as all get out.
1: Uh, Virginia – Won the Commonwealth Cup for the first time in 15 years. I forgot that was on. A, a spot. It was on Friday. And clinched a spot in the uh, in the ACC title game as the sacrificial lamb against Clemson.
0: Yeah, I saw that. It was on.
1: Kennesaw State beat Wofford to advance to the next round in the FCS playoffs. Hoot hoot.
0: Which is pretty awesome, but they're a great team. I think they deserve that. So, yeah. Um. Oh, oh Miss lost because a player peed on the end line. Is that what cost uh, the guy his game? Yeah, they
1: got. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think. If, I mean, if they if they win that game, they're still not going to a bowl game. So I'm not sure if that that would have been a big deal of it. But yeah, I mean, to lose like that, I mean, it's just so crazy because he he missed the extra point. Like that's always just tough.
0: Yeah, for those, those of that you. Of for those of you who missed it, uh, the receiver who caught the tie, the touchdown that would have scored the game, uh, got down on legs and peed like a dog on Mississippi State's in line. I guess to mark his territory, which gave an unsportsmanlike penalty, pushed back the kick, and uh, then the p- kicker missed the kick, and that ended the game right there. So yeah, go figure. I, I, that's another. Speaking of things that you just cannot do, like I don't. I don't know the coach, but that, that seems like – it seems like the players should understand the situation better given given the circumstances. But I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Celebration penalties are always kind of – I mean, that's one that you know you're going to get the flag on. Like that's been flagged in the NFL. Like that's obviously a taunting. Like eh, that's just not a smart play. And, and then to lose the game because of it, that's that's even more rough for, for that kid for that pro-
0: Well, that does bring us into our next topic as far as the program goes. We've got the first hints of coaching carousel kind of coming around. So Ole Miss lost their coach, Boston College, uh, Shiano back at Rutgers uh, kind of strangely enough, uh, considering how he left the program initially. Uh, And I think the big one that nobody saw coming, uh, Peterson out at Washington, which – it's just kind of, I, I I can't, I guess we just do not understand as people who are not coaching on a regular basis, the stress these guys go through, but it sounds like that that's purely why he left. He just couldn't deal with the stress anymore and he needs to take a break. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. So like I said, Andrew, you are more of the coaching guru than I am. Do you want to just kind of run through your thoughts on all those?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a lot of times people don't really understand how much time is spent by a college coach. Like, you know, everyone sits here and goes, "Well, you know, they're making millions of dollars. They're making millions. Yeah, but you're—I mean—you're working. You know, I always talked about when I when I worked at Tech, basically from I was in the office from five thirty in the morning to eleven at night, every day, seven days a week from August 1st through the middle of January. Like that's an incredible incredible toll and and especially for a guy like Peterson who's been doing it for 20 25 30 years and I, I you know I didn't even go on the road recruiting. You know, I I got the time off when recruiting windows were open, you know, or I was just kind of hanging out in the office working 9 to 5, you know, I wasn't on the road recruiting, I wasn't doing all of that. You know, it's it's a huge huge time commitment. And I, don't, I think a lot of people at times kind of lose sight of that. And yeah, I mean, I can't, I'm not surprised he did. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's kind of what Bob Stoops did. You know, I, I think it'd be interesting to see coaches who just decide to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. I've done it long enough.
0: Well,
1: and it's, it's just, there's so, and especially if you have family, you lose so much time away from your family at the college level that you don't in necessarily the high school and the NFL level.
0: Well, and to an extent, I mean, we saw Urban Meyer do this where he took a he took a break and he just eventually came back, and I don't see why Peterson couldn't do the same. But I think it's just the the timing of it caught everyone by surprise because uh, he's done such great things for that program. He's really turned it around, and uh, I don't know what the feelings are up there personally, but it seems like he's a very light, well liked. Coach, uh, and I don't think he's got too many people outspoken against him. So it's kind of a strange. It's just kind of strange to see uh, somebody step up and say, you know, it's just best for my health to step away from the game right now. Uh, not that I'm blaming him or anything. It's just uh, I wonder how prevalent this will be in the future. Um, I would. I, I don't. I'm worried if Coach. People have been talking about how coaches like Saban, when will Saban step away from the game because he's getting older. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that if you're a Bama fan, you're kind of looking at that like, ugh, I hope that doesn't happen to us.
1: Well, on the other the other side of it, too, is I know a lot of guys that, you know, that played in college and then didn't really make in the NFL that really struggle from that transition. You know, a lot of guys that have spent so long doing, some, doing one thing focusing on one thing and then that thing's no longer there i mean that's that's a huge huge adjustment for for people and and it it takes a long time i mean it's tough Uh, you know you you get so focused in the mindset of doing this one thing and this is what you're doing and this is it and then all of a sudden it's gone and you know you're kind of like oh well shit. what do i do next yeah. And so and so my thought is maybe this allows Peterson to to step away when he wants to on his own terms versus you know getting fired being pushed into retirement you know maybe he's like hey I want to walk away now on my own terms the way that I want to and maybe I'll come back maybe I won't but
0: you know that's a that's a good point i think a lot of people don't get the chance to define their own life uh Goals and their low in life uh, situation as far as jobs go. So, for him to take the opportunity, I you know again can't blame the guy. So, what are our thoughts on the rest of the coaching carousel? Uh, you've already got. I can't,
1: believe, I can't believe Missouri fired Barry Odom. That was the kind of weird one to me. I thought I thought they were six. And-
0: yeah, I'm not.
1: I'm yeah, not- I mean, I thought they were they were okay. Um, wow, he's young too. He's only 43 years old. I thought he was older than that.
0: I wonder. Yeah, I mean, did it he have went any-
1: six and six? They're probably uh, they're both suspended, so maybe I wonder if that's part of it.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking is, that the the uh, NCAA crackdown probably had something to do with I it. I
1: wonder if that's. I wouldn't be surprised if they look at Josh Heupel at UCF. You think so? I think somebody's going to. I mean, he's got an Oklahoma pedigree. He's spent time there. He's been pretty decent at UCF. It is in his year, two years there. You know, so it'll be interesting to see that. Um, God, the thing about it is, is, I mean, I think Willie Fritz is a guy that's going to get a call, either, either Arkansas or Missouri or maybe Ole Miss. I mean, I think Fritz has done a pretty good job down at Tulane. Um, somebody should call Dave Clawson at, Va- at Wake Forest. I, I don't know why his name hasn't been, especially coming off of this season. Like, I think yeah, that's a name that the team should really look into.
0: Uh, I think. I mean, if I was Wake Forest, I would be working hard to get him blocked down with a long-term contract, but uh, yeah, I don't... I think the American Conference is the most likely to have their coaches stolen in the near future.
1: Uh, Somebody's going to hire Jay Norvell from Memphis, but the crazy thing about him is every time, because he was mentioned for the Tennessee job, he was mentioned for the Arkansas job when they hired Morris, he was mentioned, I think, for the Ole Miss job when they hired Matt Luke, but Allegedly there's something in his past that like turns up on background checks or like knocks him out of the running for some of this stuff and I don't, I don't but I can't like I've never been able to find any kind of substantiation. I've never found anything but you know crazy internet rumors and, and so either someone's gonna say okay, we don't really care that much about what it is or it's something that's gonna keep him at Memphis just because it's bad enough that teams can't they can't hire him
0: kind of weird to think about Uh, I don't know secret the
1: most the most substantiated I've ever found was something to do with gambling was it like a bad gambling habit or using school money on gambling or something but I don't know but I mean a lot of these jobs you got them like who's Boston College gonna hire I mean maybe a guy out of the Mac Um, the guy Toledo maybe Um, Jason Candle I think is a name that's been tossed around Um,
0: well um, I
1: mean they're not gonna hire Frank Solich because he's really old (laughs)
0: <laughs> we, we talked about Jim McElwain earlier. I don't think they'll hire him, but Artem did bring up Jim McElwain for the Mizzou job, which is an interesting uh, throw out there. Personally, I thought he would be in line for the Ole Miss job, but uh, I don't know. I haven't heard any real rumors about Ole Miss yet. Yeah,
1: I, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure Like I said, you start thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about some of like the, the lower FCS guys or some, you know, some of like the Sunbelt guys. um I mean, I don't think anyone's going to hire Drinkwits from App State after one year. Um, Billy Napier just won Coach of the Year at Lafayette, so he may be one that, that people look at. You know, Blake Anderson at Arkansas State's kind of been an on-and-off name we've heard about. Um, I'd be interested if somebody kicked the tires on Larry Fedora. He's been an, uh, an assistant or a, an analyst or whatever at Texas, and he's a guy from Texas. So, like an Arkansas or an Ole Miss, I mean, it would – Interesting to see if they look at a guy like that after his struggles at North Carolina. I I have no clue who Florida State's going to hire. Um,
0: oh yeah. yeah, I keep forgetting uh, there, about. Rumor
1: is South Florida's going to hire Willie Taggart back.
0: You think so? That's well. I mean, they I mean, can't maybe. do it. He can't do any worse. Uh, gosh,
1: I, that, that's where you start looking. Like you look at like UT San Antonio. Uh, who, I mean, who are they going to hire? Um. Oh, another name that I think I think. Arkansas or somebody should maybe take a look at is Seth Luttrell at North Texas. Now they had a bad year this year so he's kind of he's not as shiny as he was last year but I think that's a guy that somebody will probably take a look at.
0: Well yeah and last year he was fantastic. I mean I don't know. I'm always kind of curious what, what the um, deal is with the what what the distance these, lo- these contracts are at some of these smaller term programs because Like, you brought up Hypo at UCF. I mean, you feel like he would want to ride that out for as long as possible if they could provide the pay. North Texas, I don't think they can pay uh, what UCF can. So, it's much more likely for him to take off. But, uh, I don't know. I think we're getting to that period point where, if you're in the American, at least, that some of these jobs out there are becoming more fashionable especially if the talk about expanding the playoff becomes real. And then you've got a chance for a group of five team to actually get into the playoff.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, I think a guy like Luke fickle at Cincinnati is probably going to be there for a bit. Cause uh, I mean, I think the only job that he would leave Cincinnati for is, is like a better big 10 job. And I don't think any of those are coming open this year.
0: No, no, um, not unless Michigan randomly fires Harbaugh, which would be,
1: no, nah, I don't think they'll let him go yet. Um, but, you know, you start thinking about, and then, you know, there's, you look at some of the lower level FCS guys, the guy at James Madison, um, you know, obviously the guy at North Dakota State just kind of keeps that juggernaut rolling. Um, what about,
0: but, what, what about Old Dominion? Cause,
1: uh, God. That would be a guy like that would be where, like, the James Madison guy, I think, would be, would be a higher that could, could get a shot there. Um, I think that's Signetti, who was at Elon, who's done a pretty good job. Um, an interesting guy to me, uh, not this year, because he's, he's he's only been there one year, but I think Will Healy at UNC Charlotte is going to be a pretty big name because he had a lot of success at Austin P and really turned that program around. And now he's got Charlotte in their first bowl game ever. So I think he's a name that, again, not, not this year so much, but maybe – Uh, you know, a year, two years down the road, maybe one that we, we end up talking about and looking at.
0: Right. Well, I mean, you mentioned teams like Texas state and you never know they could reach out. Although I don't know why he would want to leave for Texas state. Honestly.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the other thing. I think coaches are being a lot more selective about where they're willing to leave. If you're not going to like a big P five job, you know, a guy like leaving Charlotte and going to Texas, San Antonio, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, God, I'm trying to think who may – yeah, because, like, yeah, like, you won't leave North Texas for Texas-San Antonio. I mean, you know, like, there's there's a bunch of them that you're like, all right, got to hire somebody. I, I'm interested to see if anyone not kicks the tires on Dave Aranda, the DC at LSU. It was really, really good. Um, I'm trying to think some of the really good coordinators.
0: I'm wondering how much money LSU has to keep their guys around because – after I know he's the, over a million. after their performance this year, I think you want to keep as much of that intact as possible, uh, but we'll see. They That's haven't.
1: What I saw somebody talking about they were looking. I think Texas was trying to pit pinch uh, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator. But I mean, again, like it gets to the point where the see at LSU. How much more money are you really going to make as the OC at Texas?
0: I mean, it's just a pr- point of preference. Would you rather be at LSU or would you rather be at Texas? I don't know. Uh, Because I don't see a whole lot of differences between the two, I guess facilities and location. Uh, But I don't know. There's this is gonna be
1: crawfish or brisket.
0: (laughs) This is gonna. I'm brisket guy, but I haven't had a lot of crawfish personally. Um, This is gonna be an interesting off season for a lot of these jobs. I expect more jobs to pop open uh, than we realize because this was a. Frankly, this was a bad year for a lot of teams. Uh, You know, I think they were talking about this being a record low for – or a tie for a record for teams that have not qualified for a bowl, you know, with six wins. So it's kind of an interesting situation. Uh, But we'll see. I I think you might see a lot of shifting around in the coaching situation. And like you said, I don't know – who Boston College is going to hire? This this has kind of been an interesting uh, look. I'm still surprised they fired uh,
1: Adazi. Ozone. Yeah, I really. Although they've they've made some dumb, you know, them firing Jeff Jagosinski really looks like it was a pretty dumb idea back when you know he lied to him about interviewing for the Jets
0: job. Yeah, but I've Lord only knows some of these programs make really strange decisions. Nebraska's still regretting. Uh, their decision from way back. Uh, I I don't know. I feel like there's this rush to fire people, and it's just biting them in the ass, but I don't know.
1: Honestly, I just was thinking about it. If I'm Texas San Antonio, I uh, I spend as much money as I can to get Jeff Monk in. Ooh. Army, oh. Army, Army recruits Texas heavily, and so he's got to have guys in the staff that have ties down there. He's been a winner everywhere he's been. You know, it's just whether or not you're afraid of – and that's the thing is some of these smaller schools, New Mexico, Old Dominion, you know, UNLV, schools that have really kind of struggled, I, I think they should go and try to be different. You know, the problem is that the narratives are all there and they're tough to, to fight against and, you know, you may not necessarily sell tickets, but I've always felt if you win games, you're going to sell tickets. But, well, you then- know, I'm not an athletic director, so –
0: and it's also a question of what does Jeff Monken want? Because I mean, he said that he's happy at Army, but I mean,
1: he's also he's also older than I thought he was.
0: Yeah, I feel like that with a lot of coaches are t- are yeah. older than I realized. Then
1: I mean, then I think an interesting hire would be a guy like Ivan Jasper, the OC at Navy. I mean, the problem is, you know, with his son's heart condition, I don't I don't know how willing he is to really relocate too much. Gotcha. Uh, I thought I saw Troy Calhoun, the Air Force coach. His name tossed somewhere at one of these jobs, but he's an Air Force alum so I don't know you know how much traction he would get going somewhere else.
0: That's fair. it's It's hard to say. I would like to see that offensive system get more out there um, because I believe it's some of these smaller schools. They really can take advantage of that system, especially with better recruiting and better talent. Uh, but uh, I don't. I think people just don't like the look.
1: Uh. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about it is is the best thing you whatever you could have is if you had a coach who was a really good salesman and and really kind of was able to go against and kind of fight the the common narratives that pop up about it. I mean, that's the biggest problem is these narratives show up and everyone accepts that they're true and that just becomes, you know, dogma. And so, you know, you've got to have a coach who's who understands how to go against that and argue against all of that. But you know, that's not, I mean, that's not Paul Johnson. That's really not Kenny. It's really not Jeff Munkin. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting, you know, they, all, they but they all have some offensive coordinators I've really liked, you know, I love Brett Bohannon's Brian Bohannon's offensive coordinator at Kennesaw State, Grant Chestnut. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a guy who has been allowed a lot of freedom to kind of tweak and do different things, which which necessarily you didn't have in other places.
0: Well, that's and that's good. I mean, I just I want to see with the changes that are coming up for college football, we're already talking about paying the players and everything. I would like to see some more diversity on that front because I think it just makes the sport more enjoyable to see – Diverse offenses and styles, whereas now everything's kind of turning into uh, the spread uh, spread look kind of setup, um, and that's kind of and um, every
1: everything's air raid. Like the the term air raid has lost all of its meaning because any number of different offenses that is based in somewhat in you know air raid fundamentals is called an air raid offense.
0: Yeah, and. Honestly, that's kind of disappointing. I would like to see us get back to more fundamental kind of football. I mean, but you know, the circumstances being what they are, I guess I'm hopeful that with all these coaching changes that should happen this season, that we'll see more diversity kind of moving along. But only time will tell. Um, as far as that as far as that goes, we're coming up on the championship games this week. So I guess we should talk about the what-ifs of the playoff possibilities. So obviously the biggest situation, we've got Utah sitting at 5, Baylor, Oklahoma at 6, Georgia at 4. So, and and we're pretty sure everyone else is a lock. Uh, I mean, Clemson's at 3, could they lose to Virginia? Sure, but that's not likely to happen. Ohio State versus Wisconsin, I don't think we
1: might be enough to bump one of them in because Utah and Oklahoma would then be conference champions. Um, That that would be my only thought there. I mean, obviously... So that would completely knock them out. And so then you would have a bunch of shuffling, and Ohio State loss would do that. I think the funky one to me is Baylor-Oklahoma because... Say what What we expect happens, happens. LSU wins, Ohio State wins, Clemson wins. All three of them all win. They're all in those spots. You're at the fourth spot. Is a Utah win over Oregon more impressive than an Oklahoma or Baylor win over each other?
0: Well, and I, I kind of want to wait to talk about this for the picks section, but... I mean, I'm not totally convinced that Utah's even going to win their game against Oregon because Oregon's better than... Utah's
1: sneaky good.
0: Oregon's better than 13, man. I I don't know. That's like... I know Utah is is good. They are good, but I I think Oregon's getting underestimated. And Baylor-Oklahoma is also a game we already saw, so I think it kind of depends on which way it goes. If Oklahoma wins again... Uh, then I don't know that it's gonna change the their percep- their perception very much but yeah I, I don't know that's kind of a that is kind of the biggest gray area is the six and seven spot um, of course this is all dependent on Georgia losing I, I would assume because uh, if Georgia wins then we've got a bunch of head scratchers going on at the top of the charts you got to wonder is LSU out? got to wonder how does this reseed Georgia and then you got to take into it and at least with the Utah matchup we'll know the night before whether or not they're in so that hopefully will simplify things a bit but yeah
1: yeah Uh, like I said I think you get into splitting hairs with Utah and Oklahoma and I think it gets to be one of those fun things where Oklahoma gets in because they're Oklahoma
0: yeah because of the name on their shirt
1: yeah. Yeah. Like again, it, everything holds. Georgia loses. You've got a one-loss conference champion in Oklahoma and a one-loss conference champion in Utah. Where to me Utah's lost to a was a seven and five um, USC team. Is that better or worse than Oklahoma's lost to? I think like a six and six or whatever Kansas State is. Well,
0: and I think the other one is. Uh... The weird one to me would also be if Baylor wins and Utah wins. Like you I think s-
1: Baylor jumps Utah.
0: You think so? Okay.
1: Because I think I think they'll they'll look at it. You remember the year that Oklahoma lost to Texas and then beat Texas?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. I think
1: it'll be the kind of the same thing because then you could look at it and go Baylor's only loss was to a top ten ranked Oklahoma that they went back and beat. Whereas Utah's loss would be to a 7-5 USC.
0: Gotcha. So then...
1: I mean, to be honest with you, I think the fact that Georgia is sitting there happily in fourth is kind of ridiculous because they lost to like a 4-8 and eight South Carolina team. Yeah. But, you uh, know, that's just me.
0: I'm still pissed about that, but the, the committee has made up their mind. They got to have two... They got to have two SEC teams in it. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But I do have one other topic that I haven't heard the talking heads bring up yet, which is the we t- kind of touched on it earlier the new year six for the regional five i'm looking at the numbers now uh surprisingly close i don't think app state can jump much higher with a win over louisiana but then you got cincinnati and memphis you got boise state sitting to 19 going against hawaii which we didn't totally did not see that coming uh I think it's down to Cincinnati and Memphis. But if Cincinnati wins, it is possible that one of these other teams jumps them. It's hard to say. I mean...
1: You know, I think, I think if Cincinnati beats Memphis, they'll get the credit for beating a number 17-ranked team. And I think that would be just enough to bump them above a Boise State. Even though Boise State only has one loss. I mean, that's where it gets kind of wonky is... Boise State's got one loss, Cincinnati's got two. Cincinnati's two losses are to Memphis and Ohio State. And so, again, it would be that kind of argument with the Oklahoma one where they won the rematch. yeah, And that would probably be bigger than a Boise State win over Hawaii or, say, an Appalachian State win over Lafayette.
0: Well, and obviously if Memphis wins, they're definitely in. I
1: Yeah, I, I think if Memphis wins, they're in.
0: Yeah. I kind of wonder how that goes where you won twice against the same team and then they dropped – to, like, out of the top 25, but I, I, you know, I wonder about those kind of effects, but it's... Well,
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure Boise-Hawaii is a rematch, too. I think Boise beat them earlier in the...
0: Uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah, Boise-Hawaii is a rematch as well.
1: Actually, App State-Lafayette is also a rematch.
0: Yeah, can I just give a shout-out to Hawaii? Because I'm always impressed when they come out and do stuff like this. It's kind of like SMU, where I'm just like, good for you, Hawaii. Uh, I, we've talked about the difficulties that Hawaii has in the past just with recruiting and going out there and playing. So I'm impressed that they made it to the championship game. I don't think they're going to win, but I'm impressed they made it that far. Good for them.
1: I think I think that's a name that, that's probably going to get talked about is Nick Rolovich. Um, I, I saw his name tossed around for the UNLV job. Um, I'm not sure if that job's that much better than Hawaii.
0: I wouldn't. Um, I, yeah, I was about to say I would not leave for UNLV. But what yeah, do I that's
1: know? that's. I'm not sure how how much better of a job that is necessarily than Hawaii, especially because Rolovich played at Hawaii. Uh, like, or he, you know, he's he's he played at Hawaii, so he's got a Hawaii ties. Um, but I just, again, I'm not sure if it's. I mean, that would be an interesting hire for UNLV because he's done a really good job at Hawaii.
0: Now I'm just kind of looking over the price of the games. Uh, I'm a little surprised that, well, I shouldn't be. Georgia LSU is sitting at 176. Army Navy 135, and then after that, the next highest price game is Baylor at Oklahoma, so or Baylor v Oklahoma, Arlington, Texas. So that's I'm kind of surprised that the huge drop off after the Army Navy game. Yeah, All right, man. It's about that time. Let's get into the picks. All right. So this week, we're going to go down the list, pick all the championship games, and we're going to go ahead and preemptively pick the Army-Navy game for next week. So let's get it start off. Utah v. Oregon. Uh, I'm picking Oregon because I am an idiot. So Andrew, you were talking about how sneaky good Utah is. So are they going to prove it to me?
1: Yeah, I think they are. Um, they're really, really good on defense. Which Kyle Whittingham, Utah teams are always really, really good on defense. So that's that's definitely a big part of it. But they've got some really good offensive skill players. I like Tyler Huntley. I really like Zach Moss, the running back. Uh, and I think that they're you know they're going to be able to make plays. They really haven't been challenged since the USC game. They've kind of pretty much dominated everyone on their schedule, and haven't really had a close game. So I think that they're. They're talented enough across the board, and I mean, their defense is incredible. It's significantly better than Oregon's. I think that's what's what going to be the matter, is that they're going to be able to shut down that Oregon offense a lot more than that Oregon defense is going to be able to shut down Utah's.
0: Okay, well, fair enough. Next, I mean, the Oregon t- we've talked about it often, Oregon defense is toilet paper. Next up on the list, Baylor v. Oklahoma. So Baylor lost after getting a 28-3 lead last time against Oklahoma. It's a rematch this time. I'm looking at this matchup, though. It's really hard. I know the Baylor's going to want it really bad after that kind of a loss, but it's really hard to get that mentality out of your head when you lose like that. I'm signed with Oklahoma. I think they've got more talent. I think they're a better team overall, and I think that there's going to be something – Sticking with Baylor after that loss in the last matchup they had this year.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think I think Oklahoma's just got too much. Um, looking at Jalen Hurts' numbers is incredible. 3,300 yards passing, 1,200 yards rushing. Like, I don't know how that – I mean, if it wasn't for Joe Burrow, you could give Jalen Hurts the Heisman today. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I think Oklahoma's got too much, and I think you kind of hit on it, that hangover from the, the blowing the lead. In that game at home in that game as well for baylor i just i just don't think there's enough there i think that oklahoma is going to be able to come in and, and kind of establish what they want to and you know win the game
0: okay next up on the list louisiana at appalachian state uh so the raging cajuns uh versus the mountaineers uh app state's Done some pretty impressive things. I think they lost uh, one game to Georgia Southern, which is their rival. Otherwise, they've been uh, undefeated in pretty much every aspect. I think that's the only thing. I keep hyping on this. I really like them. They're up here in North Carolina near me, so I like them a lot. And they you were can
1: go to that game. It's in Boone.
0: Yeah, it's it's a drive though. We'll see. I got I got plans, man. Anyway, uh, it'll be. This will be a good matchup, and I. But I do think Appalachian State will walk away with the win in this matchup, regardless.
1: So I just realized that I have probably pissed off every single Ragin' Cajun fan we have by calling them Lafayette.
0: Yeah, they're Louisiana now. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, sorry about that. Uh, you know, old habits and such. Honestly, I key think this will be a really fun game. I uh, just looking at the numbers. It's two teams that score a lot of points and play decent defense. It's at Kid Brewer in Boone, North Carolina, which is going to be a huge home field advantage for Appalachian State. And I just they beat them previously, uh, seventeen to seven earlier in the year. So I just I think App State got too much, and their being at home is is going to really push them over the end. So I think I think App State's going to win it.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. Next up, so Miami of Ohio versus Central Michigan. In, at, uh, in Detroit uh, at the Lions field. I, I'm kind of curious with this matchup. Central Michigan made a huge turnaround from a one-win season last year to an eight-and-four season this year. Jim McIlwain's running a really solid offense. Uh, the defense is questionable, but uh, based on how well they do through the air, I, I hesitate to, to see – any way they lose this game. So I'm going to go with Central Michigan.
1: This is not a rematch. I wanted to make sure to check that. Um, Also, the starting quarterback for Central Michigan is Quentin Dormity, who used to be at Tennessee. Um, And I think the Miami quarterback won, um, like, player of the year or freshman of the year or something in – in the Mac. Uh, his name is Brett Gabbert. I have no idea if he's related to the other one. He is from Missouri, so I'm going to assume that he's his son or his nephew or in some way, shape, or form related to Blaine Gabbert, uh, which is really a bad thing, unfortunately, for the Red Hawks, because I think Central Michigan is going to win. Uh, I think they're a better team. I think they've got more talent, and I don't really trust quarterbacks named Gabbert.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good. That's a good reason to pick them. Next up, we got UAB at Florida Atlantic. So, this is another tight matchup. I'm surprised to see UAB in the championship this year. We were expecting a big drop off from them, but little did we know they were going to be they were going to go nine and three and six wins in the conference. Uh, I'm looking at the stats right now. Florida Atlantic looks more like if I'm because le- let's be honest, I haven't watched either of these teams this year. If I'm looking at the stats. Florida Atlantic looks more like an Oregon team, where they go they run a quick offense, they pass a lot, they score a lot, and on the opposite side, UAB looks like a very defense-heavy offense where they focus on shutting down the run and really stopping you. I have, I feel bad because I want to cheer for UAB, um, and really they haven't had in too many bad. Uh, Matchups. I think their losses were to Tennessee, Southern Miss, and Western Kentucky. But I just don't see them winning this game. So I'm going to go with FAU. And it is not a rematch, just so you know.
1: It's not. Nice. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic. I thought they they struggled last year, so it's kind of interesting to see them have a bit of a bounce back this year. Um, I expect them to win the game. Uh, and then I expect on the championship podium for Lane Kiffin to take the Ole
0: Miss. <laughs> you want him to take the Ole Miss job? Great. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Could you Could you imagine the shenanigans Lane Kiffin will get into in Oxford, Mississippi?
0: <sighs> I feel like we're setting up for another like NCAA crackdown on Ole Miss. But, oh, uh,
1: absolutely, but it would be the wildest three years of our lives.
0: It would be hilarious. Uh, next up, the American Conference game, Cincinnati at Memphis. So this is a rematch. Uh, Memphis took Cincinnati to task. I don't think they destroyed them, but it was a pretty well-handled game by Memphis um, on the road last time. This time gets Memphis gets them at home, and... I don't know. I don't expect much to have changed. So I'm going to go with Memphis yet again in this matchup. Who do you got? Yeah,
1: I agree with you. Memphis is a really, really good team. Their quarterbacks put up crazy numbers, 3,000 yards, 32 touchdowns. Uh, You know, they beat them last week at Memphis. I think they'll beat them again this week at Memphis. And then Norvell on the championship podium takes the –
0: You're just expecting everybody to take the job on the championship podium. Okay, fair enough.
1: Look, we we all know that, that Norvell is getting one of those SEC jobs. If they don't hire him, they're all dumb and they should shut their programs down. And I just want to see Ole Miss screw it up and accidentally hire two head coaches.
0: Okay, next up, the game that we all want to talk about, Georgia versus LSU. So... LSU has possibly the most ridiculous offense um, we've ever seen out of an SEC team where they're averaging 560 yards a game. That's crazy. I did not even realize that. But uh, def- defense is Georgia's strong suit. They only allow 257 yards a game. Uh, so this will kind of be the move. Yeah, the fastest moving object versus the immovable, you know. What what I forget what the terminology is. Andrew, help me out here. I'll let you pick yeah. first.
1: Uh, it's it's very much a strength on strength game, where Georgia's really made a hay with their defense and actually struggled a lot offensively. They really had some issues, you know, play calling. You know, they're they're out a bunch of wide receivers. George Pickens is suspended. Lawrence Cage is hurt. You know, so the the what their not great passing game is probably going to be even more not great. Uh, and to me, that's that's just the issue. Is is Georgia's defense is good, and I think could slow LSU down. The problem is that I don't think Georgia's got the offense to do anything. So again, I, I think it's I think it's LSU. Uh, I think Joe Burrow probably wins the Heisman Trophy. And yeah, that's really all I got. LSU's real, real good. I love LSU's running back. Dude's like five three two ten, and like rock solid. And he's so much fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I've got LSU as well, unless. Unless the refs screw over LSU like they did in the Texas A&M game, where where that – I wish Arden was here to talk about that because Texas A&M should have won that game for all intents and purposes, but the refs found – As Andrew was so kind to put it, uh, I've got Clemson because, I mean, you gotta. I, I, there's nothing else to say. Andrew, who do you got in this matchup?
1: Yeah, I think I think Clemson has really rebounded from their close game against North Carolina and kind of come out and said, you know, well, fuck you guys. And Dabo's very much got them on the no one respects us, no one wants us here. You know, he's he's a lot like Bill Belichick. Like, he's really good at getting his team to believe that no one respects them when they're one of the best teams in the country. So I think there's just, outside of them, turning the ball over a lot, which Virginia's decent defensively, uh, I just don't think. You know, Clemson's been on a mission ever since that North Carolina game. And, I mean, it's, it's 45, 45, 59, 59, 55, 52, 38. Like, that offense is humming. You know, the struggles they had early in the season are gone. The defense is as good as they always are. Virginia just doesn't have enough there. You know, Bryce Perkins would have to play the absolute game of his life and get some help from the defense and Clemson turning the ball
0: over. All righty. Next up, Ohio State versus Wisconsin in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I think we all expect Ohio State to win this matchup. These were these were pretty predictable conference championship matchups. Ohio State's just better on all fronts than Wisconsin. Uh my bold prediction is we will see Turf Guy again, but we will not see him repairing the turf. Uh, if you remember last year, a.
1: Austin P has been kind of a neat surprise. Will Healy kind of helped build that program up, and they're still winning. Which